0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into an NFL Week 10 edition of the RotoWire Sports Betting Pod. Nick Whalen, John McKechnie here from RotoWire to hopefully help you make some money. On this 14 game NFL slate, John, uh, we're back to our traditional recording time on Thursday evening. So we won't spend a whole lot of time talking Thursday night football. Uh, By the time most of you hear this uh, Panthers bears will be either underway or or already happened. But I I will tell you, I'm leaning Chicago. You're seeing this number three, three and a half. I I like the bears running game here. Um, I I think that's the, I I guess the the best unit within the unit that I trust most. And we got some injuries on the defensive side for Carolina. I do think the Panthers have a chance to throw the ball on the Chicago defense. I'm not sure I, I try, trust Bryce young uh, with a, a depleted receiving core to actually take advantage of that.
2: Now I'm with you there. It's it's interesting that, that the line is pretty much held steady all week, even with like, you know, I thought initially when it, when it was one and a half, I think going into last weekend, like, and then you see it move up to three, it's like, Oh, maybe Justin Fields is going to be back, but that doesn't seem mm-hmm. uh, to be the case tonight. And yet, things have remained stable um, ever since Monday. So that that seems to suggest that Vegas really does view even the Tyson Bajant-led Bears to to be, you know, field goal better um, than the Panthers. And I I tend to agree. I think that Bryce Young, I saw a very interesting kind of heat map uh, chart of his throws from this year, completely unable to throw over the middle, which I I suppose is not surprising, but it's still, you know, something that, even a Bears defensive coordinator can look at and be like, "Huh, all right. Well, how do we work this to our advantage?" Um, the the Panthers, they're they're in trouble here. I, I think that you know this could end up being you know one of the better games of the Bears season. I know that's not the the highest bar uh, that Washington Thursday night I game watching, was man. pretty sweet from them, but but uh, you know beyond that, um, I, we're, we're big narrative guys. Um, DJ Moore nice. revenge game that's going to be nice. And, uh, you yeah, know, Deontay Foreman revenge game as well. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot cooking in favor of the bears here, but, but seriously, I, I do think that the Panthers are just, yep. they're a more abundant franchise right now. And that, that's not how you should be feeling halfway through the season no. when you, you know, got your potential franchise quarterback of the future.
1: Yeah. We're talking like they are playing against the chiefs tonight and we're saying all these things that they're, they're going up against the bears. And it was like, man, it's just hard to imagine, uh, them having a chance against this team, Uh, I mean, it does speak to the fact that the bears running game is improved. The bears running defense uh, has improved as well. Um, But you know, even with injuries on on the Bears' side, I I don't think they'll have Edmonds tonight. I, I still leave Chicago at home. It's just, it's uninspiring right now. And I I saw that same, you know, passing heat map for Bryce young. And I don't, I don't know if it's an unwillingness to throw down the field. I don't don't know if he he physically can't see that far down the field, but it's, it's been a lot of checkdowns, a lot of safe throws. And it's part of the reason that the Panthers are, are basically struggling to get to 20 points every week. So uh, that is our, our quick and dirty analysis on Thursday Night Football. We like the Bears. Uh, we'll not be including that one on the circuit card, which, by the way, John, kudos to you. Kudos to me. Four and one week last week. Should have been 5-0 and zero if Blake Groupie wow. just hits a 47-yard field goal instead of uh, banging it off the upright, or if the Saints you know, do what would have been the very cool thing and kick a field goal instead of kneeling it out late in that game. Good sportsmanship, I suppose, uh, but we get no credit there. Uh, nonetheless, we got to keep this momentum going, so uh, as we go game by game here, we'll talk about... Uh, you know some of the differences in the DraftKings and the FanDuel lines versus what we have locked at circa. Uh, some games that we might include on our five pick card for Week Ten. One of those, John, it may be the Germany game. I'm going to try to sell you on the Indianapolis Colts, who are two point favorites. That's also the line at circa. Uh, technically a road game for the Colts. Obviously, it's neutral site. Uh, this will be an early morning wake up uh, for for those of us in the United States. I really like the Colts here. I'm a little scared of how much I like the Colts because I don't think the Colts are actually a good team. However, they can score. They allow points, but they also score points. They're the only team in the NFL that scored at least 20 in every game this season. They're eight and one to their team total over on the year. Uh, it feels like every week we recite these Mac Jones stats. He is now three and 16 straight up, four and 15 ATS as a dog in his career. He's one and 14 ATS in his last 15 starts as an underdog. Uh, and the real hammer here, John uh, via the action network who uh, I plug this every week they do a great betting breakdown just given all these crazy stats on each game favorites in international games are 32, 10 and one straight up
2: I mean that's uh that's a significant sample we're we're over the magic number of 30 that we learned about in in our stats one on one classes so uh, there, there's that um I think have has every favorite favorite uh covered overseas this year i, I I guess the bills didn't against your Jags, but other than that, I think it's been all faves uh, all the way. So I'm, I'm sold. I wasn't a tough sell on this one because I was really digging the Pats last week. And and so therefore that yeah. was, that was, I, you know, uh, manually selected that game to be included on, on the quad box and watching the Mac Jones like helium balloon passes that go to nobody against Washington. Yeah. I, I mean, even, even with how bad Indianapolis's defense has been, it, it can at least be opportunistic a little bit. And boy, I just, I have no less than no faith in, in this Patriots offense and the defense was supposed to be kind of it's carrying uh, factor throughout this season, but it's gotten too banged up to where it's nothing more than like an average unit at this point. And I, I think yep. Indianapolis is multiple. Love we'll to see what what's up with Josh Downs. Um, I, I didn't catch what, where he's at on the injury report from today, but you still have Michael Pittman. You still have Jonathan Taylor. He's yet to have like his nuclear explosion game. So uh, it's that's coming. That's not too far off. I, I wouldn't think. And yeah, I just think the Patriots are just too much of a mess right now to, to trust. So it's a small number. Indianapolis only has to cover that much, one and a half. So I'm I'm with you there.
1: And look, I, I don't think Indianapolis like completely dominates this game by any means. I, I think we probably get some some wacky Gardner Minshew turnovers. Uh you know, I do worry about some of the injuries in that receiving core. Josh Downs did not practice today, Thursday. Uh Alec Pierce was also added to the injury report. So uh, they there could be down some firepower in that passing game. But yeah, you know, we're we're leaning on the running game for for Indianapolis and more than anything, I'm just leaning on New England not not scoring enough points. You know, I, I, you know, if the Colts get to 24, 27, I don't I don't think the Pats are getting to 27 or 30. And I, I just I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think the Pats are capable of doing that right now. You know, last week against Washington, they go down 10 nothing. You know, they storm back. They're up 14 to 10. You're thinking, all right, okay, things might be looking all right here. And the, the offense just disappears in the second half at home. You know, and there's just no. There's no excuse for that against Washington. I, I think the Colts are probably at this point a slightly better team than Washington. They're at a, a, a similar level of frisk week to week, and mm-hmm. you know I, I think Minshew and, and Howell are similar in some ways. And the Patriots just you know teams that, that kind of keep coming after you can, can put together long drives. They, they might have some variance in there, but um, they, they struggle in these situations. So I, I like the Colts minus two there. Uh, we'll we'll see if we end up including that one on the card. Uh, let's go to let's go to your team, John, Baltimore Ravens. They have, they have forced their way into the, are they the best team, not only in the AFC, but in the NFL conversation over the last couple of weeks. They're coming off of back-to-back romps uh, last week, just dominating the Seattle Seahawks. They are home again for the Cleveland Browns. Six and a half is our line in favor of Baltimore. This is a tricky one for me. We've got a low total all the way down at 38. It's hard to imagine the way the Ravens are rolling right now. It's hard to imagine them losing this game, but... I, AFC North battle, you know, should be low scoring. Like, I, I could see Cleveland hanging around.
2: I, I do too, and, and I think that the under is in play because I think both defenses are, are just that good. Um, I, I think, you know, Baltimore did what it did against Cleveland earlier this year because uh, the, the Dorian Thompson-Robinson experiment was simply unfair to to the rookie. That was just not, not right, basically, what, what happened to him. So, basically, the Ravens got set up in – primo field position like all afternoon they basically just had had a live practice against the Browns that counted towards their record uh this will be different um I I, you know Deshaun Watson hot take uh better than DTR so I think he gives them more of a shot but I don't expect Cleveland to to really um you know light up this scoreboard either like I I don't expect that against almost anyone with Cleveland uh certainly not against Baltimore's defense at at home but I, I think that this this is closer to like four for me if, it, if I was making the line uh, in favor of Baltimore. So um, with, with that difference in play, I think Baltimore needs to clean up it, its turnovers. Uh, that was an issue even even last week in the rump. I don't think that they get away squeaky clean from those turnovers the way that they did last week. So I like this one to be close. I'm thinking something like a 20-17 a to, to 17, uh, Baltimore win.
1: Yeah, I don't see Baltimore losing straight up. I really don't. But I, I think would you... Uh, when you have what feel like far and away the two best defenses in the NFL right now going at it, I, I think Baltimore is going to struggle relative to what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And I certainly don't expect an explosive performance by the Browns. I mean, the ground game, even in some what should be some advantageous matchups the last couple of, of weeks, is really sputtered. So I, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball on Baltimore. But I also don't think you know this is a game where, where Baltimore is cruising to 30 points like they have the last few weeks. So my lean would be on the Browns plus six and a half. Uh, let's go to Texans Bengals, John. Uh, this was a game that I loved at the beginning of the week. It's it's at six and a half. It's locked at six and a half in the circuit contest. Uh, but we have some some pretty significant injuries on the Cincinnati side of things that we're keeping an eye on. It's not looking good for T. Higgins. We we got the, the dreaded Rappaport tweet that he's expected to miss Sunday's game against the Texans. That's almost always a death knell, uh, you know, even though he's not technically ruled out at this point. Uh, got injured in practice earlier this week. So T. Higgins, very unlikely to play. And Jamar Chase, you know, he's back on the practice field today. He was limited. That feels like a true 50-50. So even without those two, you know, Houston has like one of the longest injury reports of all time. So they're they're super banged up as well. Um, I I still think Cincinnati wins this game. I don't know that I would touch it in the circuit contest if Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are out.
2: That's right, because because the depth beyond them is not spectacular. And you don't blame the Bengals for that. I mean, in terms of your roster construction – you get Jamar Chase and T Higgins like you, you don't need to like invest a ton in in your receiver depth generally the
1: gm totally blew it you, you got to have stars as your fourth or fifth receiver
2: <laughs> that's right uh, but uh you know may, maybe uh one Charlie Jones gets back in the, in the fold here blah, blah 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 but yeah we even if we see a lot of Tyler Boyd and Trenton Irwin out here and what Mitchell Wilcox doing stuff that, this past weekend i mean it was a it was a cavalcade of uh strange players to to see out there mm-hmm in primetime on Sunday night, but I I think you, you summed it up great where coming into the, this week on Monday, when you, when you start looking at the lines pretty seriously, it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm all over the Bengals here. Yeah. It's, it's a lot tougher when, when you kind of have Joe Burrow playing with one hand behind his back. So I I think the Bengals still win this one. It it would really take a a sort of like look ahead type of sleepwalk from the Bengals to, to lose this game. Um, but they've sort of run out of runway to to have those type of games. Like the the beginning of the season was so rough for them that they kind of need to be locked in the rest of the season. So as impressive as Houston was last week, it's important to remember that it took you know a last second drive. It took 470 yards for, from C.J. Stroud to beat the Buccaneers at home. The Buccaneers. I mean, it, it, the, the Bengals should or the, the Bengals are going to win this game. But I'm with you where where six and a half with pending the injury report on Friday. Uh, feels a little bit rich for, for my blood.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if, if Jamar Chase plays, I, I think I could be talked into it. Uh, and again, you know, if, if you're not familiar with the circuit contest, these lines don't change. When they come out on Thursday around noon, uh, that's where they lock for the week. So, you know, if Chase plays, maybe we see that bump up to seven. You uh, it know, it'll depend what we see on the Houston side of things. You know, I mean, they have, you know, Damian Pierce, Nico Collins, Robert Woods, uh, you know, basically every offensive lineman on their team. Yeah, Will Anderson is banged up. Uh, you know, I know they they opened the practice window for Derek Stingley. He's not gonna play this week. Um, you know, I don't think Will Anderson's gonna play. I think that's huge for this defense. So if Chase is in and we think he's gonna look like himself, I, I do still think the Bengals can win this game by a touchdown at home. I, I think you know what you hit on last week, like the narrative has been CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud. He's awesome. He's one of the best rookies we've seen. That's all true. You know, they still need a basically a miracle to beat the Buccaneers. Like, I, I think the Texans might be just a little bit overvalued right now. And, and frankly, that's not really showing up in the line. You know, I think this could have been, you know, five and a half and and that wouldn't be all that crazy, but um, you know, we'll see if, if Chase plays, well, we'll have to change our tune, but this is kind of an incomplete grade at this point. Still lean Bengals. Uh, just if you're, if you're looking for a straight up pick. All right, it's time. Niners Jags, both teams coming off of a buy. Niners, one of several uh, three point favorites. Exactly this week uh, on the road at Jacksonville. Our total is 45. I'm really trying not to just hedge my mental health on this game, but I, I think this is a good spot for the 49ers. I think we we kind of forgot how banged up they've been, how many key players have been out these last couple of weeks. Trent Williams was back at practice today. Debo Samuel is not even on the injury report. Drake Greenlaw should be back. Uh, I, I think a, a full-strength 49ers team with something to prove coming out of a bye. I, I know Jacksonville's coming out of the bye as well. I know the Jags are rolling. They've won five in a row. I don't think it's a blowout by any means. I think the Jags put up a great fight here, uh, but I, I think this is a kind of reminder game for the 49ers that, all right, you know, when we're healthy, when we're rolling, we're still one of the three best teams in the NFL. And, you know, as, as great as this Jacksonville team is, I, I still view them as one tier below, you know, the you know, the teams like Philly and KC and San Francisco.
2: Yeah, San Francisco, you know, a month ago, where uh, the, this line would look a lot different. Obviously they lose three games going into the bye and, and we, we have what we have now. Um, but I do like the the 49ers in this spot, giving Kyle Shanahan extra time to get, to get prepped up for this one, them getting healthier, them uh, getting Chase Young into the mix as well. Um, that just, it feels like a lot of problems that are going to be thrown uh, Jacksonville's way. And they, I'm not sure that like the coaching staff, or namely the offensive coordinator is going to be able to kind of like uh, match uh, what what San Francisco is doing on defense. And, and obviously Shanahan and uh, company have the upper hand offensively as f- as far as dialing things up. So you get Divo Samuel back in there as well. You you get the you know all world left tackle back. Um, I I really do like, like the Niners and you know I, I hate to say it to you pal, but I, I wouldn't mind including them on the card.
1: I would love to include them on the card because if if the if the 49ers win by more than three, I'm happy. It's great for a circa entry. If the Jaguars somehow win this game, then I'm even happier. I mean this is the this is the emotional hedge speaking. Mm-hmm. And it is, a, I will tell you an absolutely terrible way to handicap, but um, you know, I, I can't help it. I can't help it. i am not, I, I need years of the Jags being a good team you know, to like beat this out of my system. You know, I just, I've, I've been conditioned to expect the worst when it comes to Jag to the Jags of games like this and um, trying to look at it objectively though. Like I, I really do think this is a good spot for San Francisco. Would love to, would love to have gotten it at two and a half. Uh, but even at three, uh, I, th- I think San Francisco takes care of business here. There's, there's this false belief that Jacksonville is just running the ball on everybody. And John, it's simply not true. They're thirty-first in rushing EPA. The touchdowns have been there. The occasional splash plays have been there for Travis Etienne, but they still don't have a backup running back. I think Teg Bigsby might be in the permanent doghouse for the rest of the year. I, I don't know that they could keep running Etienne like twenty-five times a game. You know, he got banged up a couple of times these last few weeks. The, the bye week should help, but they, they they can't they can't subsist like that. You know, on, on on a per carry basis, they have just not been efficient whatsoever. Um, so, you know, if that continues this week, which in all likelihood it it will against a San Francisco defense that adds chase young, by the way, who's quietly been pretty good this year. I think the narrative on chase young has been negative. And, you know, there's that story coming out that, well, you know, Washington views this as addition by subtraction. Hmm. Uh, The numbers say he's been pretty good, man. I I don't think, I I don't think he's going to hurt the San Francisco defense this week.
2: No. And, and he's, he's part of, he doesn't have to lead the whole charge. You know, you still have Nick Bosa, um, you know, they they have other, you know, quality pieces on on that defensive front. I mean, they're even getting stuff out of Clellan Farrell. So, um, I mean, you know, what what, what do you think they're going to get out of Chase Young? I think it, I think uh, you know that that was a great trade for them, getting him just a third round uh, pick for him. So, yeah, th- this looks pretty good for San Francisco. I mean, I, I've not I've still not really wavered from thinking that their a game is the best in the NFL. Um, Purdy does need to to turn things around, though. I think that that's the one potential fly in the ointment because if, if he plays the way that he did those last three games, uh, then then this game looks a, a whole lot different. But I, I'm trusting right. that the week off to, to to clear the mind and everything will will get him back to you know where he was in September.
1: In terms of PFF pass rushing grade, Chase Young is is right in the same zone as guys like Joey Bosa, Brandon Graham. Uh, he's actually ahead of Khalil Mack, Boye Mafe, Josh Sweat uh, away for the for the Ravens. Um, you know, I don't I don't have the exact number, but he, he basically ranks like somewhere between 15 and 20 uh, if I'm doing the the mental counting here. So uh, yeah, a lot to like there, and you know, I, I think Jacksonville hangs tough, but I, I really like San Francisco this week. Saints Vikings. Uh, this is one of uh, a series of toss up games to me, John, that we're going to be talking about uh, in, in succession here. Saints are three point favorites at uh DraftKings right now they're two and a half in the circuit contest i i would really like to trust new orleans here on paper this should be a really good spot i you know josh dobbs now has a full week to to integrate still asking a lot you know to to learn an offense in a week we obviously saw him do it in like five minutes last week and you know as you may know john he's a smart guy uh has mm-hmm. a, an astronaut type of background but i you know i i, I struggled to, to find ways other than just kind of abstractly saying like, well, you know, Josh Jobs is pretty good uh, to, to side with the Vikings here. Getting it at two and a half pushes me toward the Saints. I think that is a friendly number. We also saw the Saints force five turnovers, not commit a single one of their own, and still only win by seven against the bad Bears team last week.
2: That's true. And that that was that was at home. This is really the, the one game that the public can't make its mind up on uh, this week. Like pretty much everything is pretty loud in one direction or the other, like, you know, 60% plus. Um, on one side or the other, um, but this one, it's pretty much dead even. Uh, according to to V-SIN's splits, it's fifty one percent of the money has come in on on the Saints forty nine, on the Vikings. I think the Vikings. I think it's first of all, it's important to note that Justin Jefferson's still going to be out for this game, and I, I think that you know for, for what Dobbs did last week, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I think that was one of the the cooler things to happen in an NFL game. Uh, this season are really in me- recent memory. I mean, all, all the stories about hit the offensive lineman teaching him the cadences right before he's about to go in. Jordan Addison, like telling him uh, wh- what the receivers are going to be doing on one side of the formation versus the other in the huddle. That's all great. uh, But still, like I, I think that this Saints team is it's better than the the like, the like some the of the parts that has been. Uh, less than what we've seen on the field, but I think it's still a, a, a very talented team that they have. Uh, if they play smart with with their um, with not turning the ball over, I think that that adds an element for them. So they need to do that. They need to, to stay disciplined the way that they did a week ago. But uh, like you said, friendly number, two and a half, like they just need to get in there and beat a, a you know a Vikings team that we' were really talking a lot of trash about. Uh, through the first what six weeks of the season, when they still had Kirk Cousins and, and Justin Jefferson for a decent chunk of that, I don't know. I I think that the Saints are, are my lean uh, on this yeah. one. Um, it, it's it's interesting how split this one is, and I definitely get the Minnesota side of it, and it feels like that you know the vibes are definitely like it high in Minnesota, but at the same time, I, I think the Saints are the better team. I don't mind that they're on the road here; they're in the familiar conditions of a dome. And they're just a more talented squad up and down, especially at the quarterback position. So I, I like the Saints here a decent bit.
1: The Saints are starting to score points, which is which is what we like to see, right? And we lo- we would have liked to see more points last week, especially with all the turnovers, which all five were on on Tyce by the way. Which is, you know, that's a, a whole different conversation. But um, I I I really there's just something like at play with this Vikings team that makes me want to stay away. But you know, if you dig into the numbers, everything points you toward the Saints, right? I mean, they're not they're not that far behind teams like Baltimore and Cleveland and the Jets in terms of a lot of the defensive numbers overall per play, things like that. Uh, they should, they should be able to shut down the Vikings running game, which has really not been good this season. Anyway, a lot of teams are shutting that down. Um, but yeah, as long as, as long as the Saints, like, if you could guarantee me that the saints commit one or fewer turnovers in this game, I would take the very confidently. I, I just, I think there's, there's the potential for new Orleans to let Minnesota linger around much like Atlanta did last week. And, you know, if this is a one score game going into the fourth quarter, that's where I, I'm not sure I trust the world because there's still a team to me that when they when they need to put together a 75 yard scoring drive, even just to get a field goal. Like, I I still don't really trust that they could do that. Like these these teams that we say like, well, we got to trust their defense. Yeah, they have the pieces on offense. They, they seem to be figuring it out. I, I I still don't think they're well coached, though. I I don't know. I, I still I lean Saints overall. I'm, I'm trying to talk myself out of it almost. But um, I, I just feel like the Vikings are going to find a way here.
2: The Saints do anecdotally do some really dumb stuff when they need a score at the the end of games, like the the Jaguars game, um, the the Houston game as well, where it's like, yeah, let's – chunk yardage, no thank you. We're we're just going to have Derek Carr throw a bunch of Hail Marys and and see what happens, and it just doesn't work out. So they're going to need to be controlling this. But, you know, I think uh, all of us, myself included, can kind of get the Goldfish brain going. Remember where we were two weeks ago with Josh Dobbs. he was not a plus. He was not something True. as a selling True. point. So, I don't think that one game against the Falcons, who are stupid, changes that.
1: Yeah, I know the Falcons are stupid. I'm definitely stupid at times when it comes to betting, getting sucked into these these little narratives. I don't. Josh Dobbs was on the Jags a couple of years ago. You know, there might still be some some lingering love there. But um, yeah, you're right. You're right. We we need to be confident here, and I, I think it is the New Orleans Saints as our side. Let's talk Packers-Steelers, John. This is one earlier this week. I was really strong on the Steelers. I don't love that the number is sitting right at three. That's where it's locked at Circa as well. I think the Steelers win this game. I think the Packers had somewhat of a false result last week. Not that they didn't deserve to win, but I, I think people don't really realize how limited that Rams team was uh, with Brett Ripon at quarterback unless you watch that game. The Rams, the Rams running game has fallen off a cliff really since the Kyron Williams injury. Um, you know, the defense relative to its talent, I, I think has actually played okay this year. Uh, but you know, even when, Ma- even before Matthew Stafford went down, like he's been slipping considerably over the last few weeks. If it's now like three straight duds for Cooper cup in fantasy that that's turned into a disaster and you know, green Bay comes out of that game, feeling a little better. Like somehow they're very much alive for that, that seven spot in the NFC, which might just be like auctioned off to the highest bidder after week 18. Um, but I, I'm not really buying in on green Bay or Jordan love or Matt LaFleur figuring anything out last week against the Rams. With that said, can the Pittsburgh Steelers beat a team by more than three points? That's the big question.
2: They, they never seem to it's, it's tough. And you know, Tomlin as a favorite or the Steelers as a favorite. Um, you yeah, know, That, that can always be a little bit tricky. We, we like, we like them as underdogs, but um, they're at home. They, I just, I envision this game being close and ugly all the way throughout real low scoring. No and then, and then Kenny Pickett just, finds a way to, to thread together a, a touchdown drive somewhere in the fourth quarter to push us over um as far as the, the spread is concerned not the over on the, on the game and I don't think that Jordan love ends up being able to respond and there we have it we have the we have the Steelers winning by more than a field goal so I, I feel if we were you know putting this on the like as you talk about like the confidence picks uh this would be probably like number five for me on the week as far as covering goes. But um, I think that the Steelers do cover.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, again, I, I really hesitant to take a number sitting right at three, but you know, That's ironically the, the Steelers, week. like all the Steelers wins this year have come by four, five, seven, seven and four. So you know, I, I just said, like, can they beat a team by more than three? It's like, well, I guess technically all they do is beat teams by more than three, but not much more than three. I I think this game plays out basically exactly like last week's Tennessee game, right? Where, you know, we at, at the end, we we take a deep breath and we exhale and say, wow, what a sweat that was. I didn't really feel good about that. And the Steelers somehow win a, a really ugly game where Green Bay probably has a chance at the end. Uh, but I, I, I like, I actually like a lot of the weapons for Pittsburgh. I don't like Kenny Pickett. I don't think there's a, a whole lot to like there, but like. I I have been a staunch Najee Harris defender. Uh, I'm blaming the offensive line. Like a lot of the advanced numbers on him indicate that he's just basically getting pounded immediately when he touches the ball. Uh, For a while, he was leading the league and like time spent behind the line of scrimmage because there's just nowhere to go. Like, I I don't think Najee Harris in year three is just completely fallen off a cliff. The guy's what, like 25 years old. I I don't think he's washed up. You know, we also have to keep in mind Pittsburgh's basically played this whole year without Deontay Johnson. I know they're struggling to get George Pickens integrated, but I, I still think when you, when you line up, like who are the best players in this game? Like, I still think the Steelers have like, what, seven of the top nine, you know, with as depleted as Green Bay is, you know, I, I'm not a huge believer in Jair Alexander being this, you know, game changing cornerback that he's made out to be uh, Packers still have pretty significant injuries in their defensive backfield. You know, the one thing I think you could say in favor of Green Bay is they, they finally used Aaron Jones the way that they should have last week. And I, I know he's been banged up and that's part of the reason that the carries haven't been there, but if they're going to ride Aaron Jones and he's going to carry the ball 20 times, even if it's not super efficient, like that's, that to me is what's going to keep green Bay alive.
2: Right. I mean, that's, that's using your, your best player. And and, uh, for every Aaron Jones carry is one less time that, that Jordan love has to drop back again and, you know, have TJ watt or Alex Highsmith coming at him. So um, there there's that. Uh, I think there's also good juju. Uh, on the Packers side, because, uh, wrote a wire zone. Chris Owen is going to this game, Whoa. but I, I know that. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah well, that. Changes everything. Uh,
2: I've requested footage of, of renegade that uh, even as someone who, um, let's just say does not care for the Steelers. Uh, I, that is, that does seem like it's totally electric in Heinz field. Uh, when yeah. that, when that goes down, but even with those good vibes, uh, with Chris going, I, I'm still on the Steelers here.
1: Okay. We're in agreement on that one, John. Uh, I want to take a moment here to recognize our wonderful sponsor,
2: yes. Circa Resort
1: Casino out in Las Vegas. My, my favorite casino by a mile. You know, we we love some of the other establishments that we will not name out in Vegas. But uh, there's a reason that Circa was voted the best casino in Las Vegas for the third year in a row recently. Uh, and we want to remind you that it is, in fact, football season at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. They have the best pool in history, not even just in Vegas, like in the history of the world, the best pool. It's called Stadium Swim. We're talking three levels, six pools, a 143-foot diagonal screen. It's basically like a giant jumbotron, but it's right in front of you, not perched on the top of a stadium. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game. This time of year, you could go there on a Saturday and watch every single college football game you want. They got it all sectioned off. They got the big game in the middle. It is just a perfect setup if you're a sports fan. You go on a Sunday, you got all the NFL games there. You got hockey, you got NBA, everything you could want. You can watch all the action poolside. They got a bunch of seating options, day beds, temperature-controlled cabanas. You could just sit in a hot tub like I do and, and you know get hot tub overexposures or watching games all day. Uh, but check out Stadium Swim. It's located at Circa Resort and Casino. It's open 365 days a year. That's that's the other big thing, John. All these, these other casinos, you know, I don't know what they're doing. They're shutting down. It's warm. It's warm enough to be swimming, certainly warm enough to sit in a hot tub. Circa keeps that pool open all year round, all sports, all seasons. You could book today. That's CircaLasVegas.com. That is CircaLasVegas.com. Uh, and for those of you wondering, I'm not joking about the hot tub overexposure. I'm a, a two-time it, uh, survivor for it. a reason. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I think that was Vegas like 2018 where I was really struggling for like a week after sitting in the hot tub for way too long. Oh, Nonetheless, God. Titans, Buccaneers. I think if you watch this game, you're going to feel like you sat in a hot tub for too long. Our total is 39 and a half. Our line is Tampa Bay minus one at home. What are we doing here, John? I, I would like to implore us to not use this <laughs> in the circuit contest because I, I do not trust either of these teams. I will say, though, I, I give slight lean to the Buccaneers. I, I know they've lost, what, five in a row. Uh, they haven't been that bad. I, I still think this team is better than I expected. Uh, it really has nothing to do with Baker Mayfield. Uh, but, but you know, they committed just a, a litany of errors in the second half. Uh, Carlton Davis got roasted for like three separate big plays to allow Houston to hang around and ultimately win that game. Tampa Bay does have Uh, some injuries in the defensive backfield that we want to keep an eye on. Uh, Although Vita Vea did practice in full. That's huge for their defense. Uh, But Carlton Davis, the man himself, uh, did not practice on Wednesday. Jamal Dean, their other starting corner, uh, dealing with a concussion. He was limited at practice Thursday, still in protocols as of now. Um, If if the Tampa Bay defense is healthy, that's where I lean. I I just – I would be lying if I said I have a great read on this game.
2: Yeah, Carlton Davis, DNP, parentheses, shame. Um, But – uh, let's see beyond that. Yeah. This one is as far as looking at where, where the money's coming in, like this is another game where, where the public doesn't really know what to do. Um, I, I think if nothing else, we're not using this on the card. I, I can build too flimsy of a case for, for either side and neither of the, neither case could I make overly strong. I, I could see either team winning here. Obviously that that's reflected uh, in the number bucks at home. You know, that steers me to, towards uh, picking them. But um, at the same time, I mean, if if the Bucks are going to get roasted the way they did against C.J. Stroud, obviously Levis a, a lesser uh, quarterback at, at this time and probably moving forward. But, you know, I, you, you still feel relatively optimistic about what the Titans can do uh, through the air in this one. And, you know, Hopkins showing his resurgence over the last little bit. Um, I think that, that that all, you know, works well. But I, I don't know if Derrick Henry really gets going in this spot against that run defense. It's uh yeah, I'm, I'm on the bucks here, but I mean, I, this, this again is, is like the stay away, of the century of the week.
1: Underdogs in games with a total under 42 are covering at about a 60% clip over the last four and a half seasons that comes via the action network. uh you know, We can recite all the Mike Vrabel as an underdog stats that we want. um You know, he is 12, nine and one against the number as a dog coming off of a straight up loss. Uh, Titans, of course, lost on Thursday night to the Steelers. Uh, do you give, do you give any real credence to a slight rest advantage here with Tennessee playing on Thursday?
2: Uh, n- not a major one, but it, it's certainly something to consider. And, and, uh, one of our viewers, Benson points out that, uh, the only time that the, the Bucks have, uh, won this year at home, uh, was against the bears early in the season. So, eh, you know, the bears were in really rough shape there in, in September, especially. So, um, there, there is probably that lack of of home field advantage for for them relative to other teams, um, and he also notes that that the sharp money is coming in on Tennessee. So uh, maybe I'm off on this one. I, I I cannot waffle on the air like that. So I'm I'm staying with the Bucks. But uh, just for for the record, I am feeling worse about it. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, we appreciate Benson uh you giving us that note there. Uh, I, I I don't consider myself sharp money. I'll tell you that. I would love to someday. Um, but look, I I I think you can tell by the way we're talking about this one, we don't have a strong lean. The line's at one for a reason, but um, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just try to default to like, all right, you know, which quarterback do I trust most? And Baker versus Levis to me, that's kind of a wash at this point, which says a lot about Baker. And then I go to, all right, which coach do I trust more? I trust Mike Vrabel a lot more than I do Todd Bowles.
2: Yeah. Todd Bowles is the definition of mid and that might be generous.
1: All right, John, we got a battle of the birds going on in arizona this weekend the atlanta falcons head out there they are two point favorites cardinals given points at home totals 42 and a half i labeled this my nick whalen stay away of the week in my beating the book column uh this this is one of those and we we get a few of them every year john and we we try to talk about them on the show like the it's like the schedule makers just have this incredible foresight you know it's like all the stuff is going on with the cardinals like they hit rock bottom last week the defense gets worse and worse Every week, you know, they're coming off the Clayton Tune game. Now we're getting Kyler Murray for the first time in a calendar year. Who knows what he's going to look like. And of course they're playing the Atlanta Falcons. Like this should be a spot where I would love to bet against the Cardinals, but I, I don't know if I can keep going back to the well with Atlanta, man. I mean, the, the they've been in so many spots where you think, man, how could you possibly lose this game? And last week was one of those. And they, they just find a way. They find a way. They refuse to adjust. They refuse to use their best players every single week. And, you know, I, I keep talking myself into like, well, eventually they'll figure this out. You know, eventually they'll they'll realize what seemingly everybody else has realized that hey, if you give Bijan Robinson the ball, if you give Kyle Pitts, Drake London the ball, you're going to be okay. I just, I don't know if we could put any faith in the in the Falcons' man. It, it's it's not really a good spot to me for either team just because of the unknown with Kyler Murray. So I think we should start there. Like, what are your expectations for Murray specifically? Uh, you know, coming back to a new coaching staff, uh, you know, a, a lot of new teammates. Obviously, we haven't seen him play in a while. I think physically he'll be fine. You know, I, I don't think a, a torn ACL in the year of our Lord 2023 is like a death knell on a career. Like it used to be, especially for someone who's as young as he has, but mobility, trust in that knee, you know, th- those are big factors for Kyler Murray specifically.
2: Yeah. I, I think Atlanta secondary better be ready to, to pass defend a lot um, in, in this one. You know, e- even if James Conner comes back, you can't expect him to be hundred uh, percent ready for for a huge workload. And I don't think that Kyler is going to use his legs a ton. I I think that this is just going to be a very pass-happy approach. Um, I I would imagine that he's going to try to avoid um, A.J. Terrell as as much as possible. Jesse Bates where he can. So for fantasy, maybe you're a little worried about McBride. But um, I think that it's going to be a high pass attempt volume uh, type of game for for Kyler. Um, And, you know, it's interesting. I was digging into the uh, the, – against the the spread numbers – uh, the Falcons are one and three against the spread on the road. The the Cardinals, shockingly, three and one against the spread uh, at home. And now they get Kyler Murray back. And I, I think Murray is the better quarterback between these two, you know, kind of uh, dovetailing off of what you were saying with breaking down the, the Bucks titans So it, as much as I would almost like to buy back into the Falcons because of how down everyone is on them after last week, I'll just keep rolling with with the Cardinals on on this one. And I think, I think they're, you know, their home trend is interesting. It's not a huge sample of course, but I think Kyler Murray coming back is a, is a, is a nice, you know, bit of a a nice jolt um, for, for this Cardinals team. So I think I do like Arizona here as home dogs.
1: Falcons have not led at the half yet this season. They've, they've been in three ties at the half. So good for them. They've been down six times. Ah, uh, they they dig themselves holes. They don't start quickly, and you know against Arizona, maybe you, you have the opportunity to recover. But oh man, I uh, it's a spot where Atlanta should win, right? And I, I want to dive in on something our, our guy Benson threw in the chat here, and I actually think it's a good point to discuss because he's he's totally right that you know if, if you watch any you know very basic uh, football analysis show, you're, you're going to hear the the Arthur Smith narrative. You're going to see it a ton in the fantasy world. Is, is there a zag to be had here, or is Arthur Smith really that bad, John?
2: No, there definitely could be. Like if fantasy football didn't exist, everyone would just think that the Falcons are solid.
1: I think you're right. I think you're right on that. And you know, Benson notes he thinks this should be closer to Atlanta three. I think realistically that it probably should be. If you if you take the if you take the narrative out of it, even as disappointing and you know untrustworthy, if that's a word, as as Atlanta has been, they're the much better team. They're the much, much better team. And I think it's specifically should be able to take advantage uh, of Arizona's defense. With that said, I I think I think I lean Atlanta here. I'm just gonna gonna hold my nose and take it. I, I fully expecting to be let down. We're not putting it on the card. Uh this is a, no. a big stay away for me in that regard. Uh let's go to let's go to Lions Chargers, John. Fun game out west this week. Lions are three-point favorites. That line has climbed from one and a half earlier this week up to three. It's held there for about the last 48 hours. That's where it locked in the circuit contest as well. 48 and a half is our total. Lions coming off the bye. They're getting David Montgomery back. Uh, you know, there's, there's been some, some chatter on the lion side of things that, you know, we're, we're not going to go back to just pounding David Montgomery 25 times. It feels like they're finally starting to trust Jameer Gibbs a little bit more, which is huge. I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, they were having a lot of success when it was the, the David Montgomery raid offense earlier this season. So certainly getting him back is a plus. Uh on the charger side of things, you know, really weird game to evaluate. It's like you get credit for going on the road, winning against a great defense in the New York Jets, but you, know, you start the game off with a punt return. You get a defensive touchdown as well. I mean, the offense, the offense was abjectly horrible for for most of that game. Yeah. Like they're, only, their only real scoring drive was, I believe, after a turnover deep in Jets territory uh, when Austin Eckler punched one in.
2: Oh, uh, uh, that was so know, sick they, for fans. No, like that, like Eckler was like right on that line of having like a kind of disappointing game. And then, yeah. uh, the, Rodgers get that turnover, get stopped right at the one yard line. It's like, oh yeah. my god, let's go garbage time.
1: What? Well, well, and then they ran that. They ran that horrible play on first down where Herbert almost took like a twelve yard loss and you know, <laughs> put on him to get rid of it. And, and Eckler, I think, punched it in on the next play. But uh, nonetheless, the Chargers' offense looked horrible. The offensive line uh, looked terrible. You know, Herbert was constantly under siege. Nobody was open. Uh, it was just one of those games where you, you kind of just you know, got it out and, and get through it. So how do we now evaluate the Chargers? You know, coming back home, not that it really matters for them all that much, but it's you know still a situational advantage, uh, even if the crowd isn't overwhelmingly on their side. I, I lean Lions here uh, again. It's another number that's right at three, so you're never going to feel great about it. Um, I-, I think the Chargers, if this does turn into a shootout, I I would like to say I could trust them to to keep up, but this is a team that is still searching for a second wide receiver, and I, I don't I don't know that that just you know magically appears. Whether it's Jalen Guyton or Quinton Johnston. I don't think that just happens out of nowhere this week.
2: Yeah, it, it, It's funny the way that we kind of summed up the, the Chargers game uh, against the Jets. They won by 21 points. Um, again, Zach Wilson having a lot to do with that, of course, but I think what I'm about to say is one of the more shocking things I've said on, on this show. I love the Chargers in this game. I, I, I think everyone, oh. yeah. I think everyone is a little bit too peachy keen on the Lions. I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's always nice to, to mention the team's coming off a bye, but I, I don't know offhand how the Lions have performed off the bye under Dan Campbell. Um, I, I think the Chargers or – I'm sorry, I think the Lions, I think their defense is a little bit overrated, so that this will be a much easier defense to face off against uh, than what the Chargers were going against on Monday night in the Meadowlands. Um, so I think the return home I, – I know that there's depth concerns with those pass catchers, but we've seen instances where – uh, if it's necessary, Keenan Allen and his giant have you did you see the, the picture of his shoulder this week?
1: Yeah, what was that? That was that cool. He
2: basically has like a vestigial head on his trapezius muscle from an AC joint sprain he had back in like his rookie season. He's just rocking out with it nonetheless. But we've seen Keenan Allen just carry a passing game before, so I think him and Eckler can get it done. Um, as far as that passing game production is concerned, I'd like to see Eckler run a little bit better, um, you know, as a traditional running back, but he's still a huge threat in that passing game. You give a, a slight special teams advantage to um, the the Chargers as well. I, I I don't know if I would have spent a fourth round pick on Darius Davis, but that, that guy was the fastest guy in college football last year. Uh, so that's something. And Joey Bosa is playing like a totally, like a man possessed right now. So Ben Johnson's going to have to do a good job of, of you know, having Jared Goff uh, back or uh, drop back away for, from Bosa because if he's, you know, going towards that side, Bosa's got him. Um, I I don't know if anyone can stop Bosa right now. So I like the chargers here. I like that they're giving or getting uh, a field goal at home. I wouldn't shock me if this ends up being a push, but I do like the
1: chargers. So everything you said about the chargers defense is, is accurate. And obviously Zach Wilson had a lot to do with that last week, but I I think the chargers defensive line, especially stepped up. The question is, can they do that against a good offensive line? Yeah. The lions are are third at PFF in, in pass blocking, whereas the jets are 28th, you know? So how, how much of that is just, you know, kind of a little bit of recency bias going up against one of the worst lines in the league where, you know, I'm not saying Detroit is impenetrable, but I don't think Jared Goff is going down five times in this game.
2: Goff can run himself into sacks though. I, I, I've yeah. seen it time and time again. I I do give the the advantage to the Chargers defensive front. They they've, you know, put so much resources into making that unit really, really strong. So um, d- despite the fact that they do have it have that good offensive line um, I, I think, it doesn't end up being a massive advantage. I think if nothing else, maybe it's like a stalemate uh, over the course of this game. And then I I give the lean to to Herbert over Goff. Uh, So yeah, I'm, I'm on the chargers better for worse. That's just kind of where, where I'm sitting with it. Uh, Benson does want to know as revenge game narrative experts, does this count as a, as a semi revenge game for Goff? I'm ruling. No, no,
1: I'm going to say no, if they're playing the Rams. Yes. If They're playing the chargers. no. you got, I, I know you're, you're in the right city. Uh, but no, I, I don't think he has any, any ill will toward this franchise. Uh, Jared Goff, by the way, uh, on extended rest with the Lions 5-1 and one, uh, against the spread. So mm-hmm. something to consider there. But I, I look forward to debating this with you via text over the next two days because I, I'm a Justin Herbert guy, all right? I, I think there's been some, some criticism piled on him this season at times that is, that is not deserved. I, I think it's more of a byproduct of, of the coaching and the, the situation and losing Mike Williams early in the year. Um, so you can you you can talk me into this. I, I'm not I'm not that solid on the Lions, but uh, I, I do think, you know, having a pretty extreme rest advantage here with the Chargers playing uh, on Monday night, uh, that that's ultimately what ticks that one in my favor. But uh, not a best bet by any means. Ninety one
2: percent of the money on the, on the Lions right now. Ninety one. Oh, boy.
1: All right. Mm. OK, that's mm. a little damning. Mm-hmm. Giants Cowboys, John, the numbers up to 17 at the DK Sportsbook. The number locked uh, in circa at 16 and a half uh, teams favored by at least 12 points this season are five and one against the number. I believe the bills, uh, I forget who they played. They're the yeah, only team that has fans. covered Giants game. Yeah, of course. It was the, the Giants game. Uh, but I mean, 17 is the highest number of the year. Uh, there's, there's a difference between 12 and 17. Uh, I, I don't think you could just equate that necessarily low total 38 and a half Tommy DeVito at quarterback for the Giants. You know, when, when the Cowboys get in these spots, they tend to do well. You know, they're pretty much every win this season has come by a huge margin, especially at home. Uh, we saw them win 40 to nothing on the road in week one. I am always cognizant of, of taking a big number here, but it's, it's really tough to, like, lay out the argument for why the Giants keep this close. Yeah, so,
2: like 17 points is uncharted waters this season. And I think one of the most just sort of like viscerally like shocking blowouts of the year, like not shocking in, in terms of like the res, the result necessarily, but like just like what you saw on the field was that that week one Sunday night game uh, between these two teams. And now you don't have Daniel Jones, you don't even have Tyrod. You have uh, I'm sorry, almost said uh, Danny Tommy DeVito out there. Oh my, this is going to be the bloodbath of bloodbaths. I mean, I, I think that there's a if there were odds on this, I would say that the Cowboys defense scores more than the giants offense here. Like it's going to be like the Cowboys would have to commit so many stupid turnovers for this to be even moderately competitive. So 17 points it's huge, but I'm not really blinking. I, I like the Cowboys in this spot. And I, and I say, this as someone who usually hates betting on the Cowboys.
1: Cowboys wins this season. Have come by 40 points, 20 points, 35 points. They had the three-point win over the Chargers, and then the 23-point win over the LA Rams. So, like on average, they're beating teams by more than 17. You know, yep. and if if, if, if you yeah. take out that Chargers game, which was on the road, uh, you know, they're they're winning by like 20 plus points per game at home this season. So you you could argue that this number is too low. Like, the only the only thing you could really say against it is like, is it too obvious? You know, we're, all we're saying is like, how do the Giants possibly compete? Like, we've seen teams rise up in these spots. It could be, you know, kind of a, a lazy narrative of, oh, you know, Dallas isn't taking the game seriously. Even if that's the case, man, I, th- I think Dallas could not take this game seriously. And, you know, worst case scenario win like, you know, 27 to three, like how, how are the giants going to score? How are the giants going to move the ball? I don't think this is a game. where you're, you're, you're not worried about a backdoor cover even, right? Like I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. And, you know, you mentioned Tyrod Taylor, like he's not available. He's on IR, obviously Matt Barkley is your backup. You know, like if, If Tyrod Taylor was, was on the bench and there was like a chance that if, you know, DeVito gets knocked out of the game that we'd see Tyrod, I'd be a little more worried, but it's like, there's not even that. There's not even some like backup quarterback coming in that you fear uh, would, would throw New York back into the game. And we we saw that a couple of weeks ago in that Jets game where, you know, they're in overtime with DeVito and what do they do? They're, They're just running Saquon Barkley or they're dumping it down to Saquon Barkley for like a maximum of three yards. You know, that's, that's the entire offense right now.
2: And like the, the Giants defense has been so mercurial. Um, but you know we we saw like them start out just flat on their back, uh not not even just that that cowboys game, but but generally, but then they started to turn a corner a little bit. but since uh the the quarterback injuries have really taken hold, they they just don't have a fighting chance because the possessions are so are so yeah. short. so the defense is going to get gashed over the, over the balance of this game. I think this is actually a great spot for Tony Pollard. If you're interested in his props, I I would be interested in in the odds of him scoring two plus touchdowns in this game, because I think the Cowboys are just going to be living in giants territory and even starting drives in giants territory. So um, huge number crazy. Uh, That is really the number had to be this big to get us to talk about this game for this long, because otherwise, I mean, this is, you, you you don't want to see too much of this one, folks. So, but then you do if you like the the Cowboys minus yeah. seventeen. So
1: there we have it. Hey, it's football, man. I'm gonna watch it no matter what. I yeah, you know, I like your Tony Pollard call. I also like Rico Dowdle this week. I got him going in some DFS lineups. Going to be looking into to some things on Prize Picks here in Wisconsin. You know, if this if this if and when this turns into a blowout, I think we see a lot of Rico Dowdle in the second half. His you know, snap count has already increased over the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's been some chatter, you know, coming out of Dallas that they want to get him more involved and I think this could be a pretty obvious spot to do that. So yeah, I mean, the question is, John, do we feel comfortable including a big line like this in the circuit contest? 16 and a half. I, I think I would.
2: I think I would too. And and I think that's that's part of the brand. Um, you know, in, in talking to to some of your buds at, at the uh, wedding last week, it, it was noted across the entire room. Whelan loves big favorites. Hey, and you know, I won the I pick like a league, big league two years
1: ago. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Those guys, those guys could say whatever they want. Uh they don't have the belt. All right. Uh, I do. We got a couple more games to get to commander Seahawks is our final game in the late window on Sunday. Seahawks six and a half point favorites at home. Total is 44. I, I really want to talk myself into Washington here, John. They have their four. zero against the number as a road dog this season. You know, Rod Rivera is in that Vrabel Tomlin conversation, you know, 60, 43 and two as a dog in his career. Sam Howell has been better on the road this season. I, I'm not sure though that that the Washington defense is going to hold up here. I, I think this is a, a really really good bounce back spot for Geno Smith. It feels like his value has kind of hit rock bottom these last couple of weeks. But I, I don't know if you can you can really properly like equate what it what it means to go from playing Baltimore and Cleveland in back to back weeks facing those defenses and then go into Washington. Uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, podcasts I listened to. The host said, you know, it's, it's like taking a weighted vest off, and I, I actually like that analogy quite a bit. I think Seattle might be a little bit undervalued right now. The number may not reflect that um, You know, with, with the, with the commanders and with Howell, you're always kind of worried about it, a team that can throw its way back into games. Uh, but I, I started to like the spot more and more for Seattle. Whereas earlier this week I was, I was more or so on the commanders.
2: I can already tell this game is going to put me in hell on Sunday afternoon because uh, not only do I like the, the Seahawks to cover, but I, my hand is forced. I have to use two picks in survivor because we're a little bit further on in the season. We want to create some separation in, in the pool. I have neither the Cowboys nor the Bills available to me. So uh, for better or for worse, I got to go with Seattle as one of my picks. And uh, I feel super queasy about it. They they looked okay. super overmatched last week. I, I don't give them too much guff about that because, you know, to your point, they're, they're playing Washington now. It's totally different. They're at home. So th- those are, you know, definitely positive tailwinds uh, for, for Seattle. Uh, they, they need to kind of put up or shut up a little bit. I know they went into last week. Uh, leading the NFC West, but that that's about as as flimsy of of a lead on a division as you could as you could spot. Um, so they, they need to get this one done. They absolutely need to. And I think my theory about Washington, uh, you know, getting lit up by, by New England last week, that obviously didn't prove true, but I, I I stand by what what I said where if the pass rush personnel is weakened to the extent that it is in the in the uh, in the secondary is playing at the at the low level that it is. I mean, you got Jackson Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf. Uh, you got Tyler Lockett, the most reliable dude out there. That's going to be a lot for Washington to, to contend with, especially if the pass rush isn't getting home. So this is a, a must-have, must-win game for for Seattle, and I think they do it.
1: Mac Jones was not sacked last week. Mac Jones was only hit one time. He was he was barely pressured, right? So you could say, well, Washington won the game. You know, they they didn't really feel the loss of, of Sweat and Chase Young. They they absolutely did. They Completely did. You know, New England has been hemorrhaging sacks to everybody all year, and and Washington never really got close to Mac Jones. And and honestly, to go back to Colts Patriots, like that's that's part of the reason I like the Colts is like Mac Jones threw from a clean pocket all game in Week Nine, and it didn't matter. They still scored seventeen points. Um, But you know, I I think in a lot of ways this is a a good spot to target Geno Smith props. Uh, It's a a good spot for for guys like Metcalf and Lockett uh, this week. You know, I I think a lot of people are going to be down on this Seattle offense, but. Again, when you're facing Cleveland and Baltimore in back to back weeks, man, like there are, there are very few quarterbacks that are going to look good, uh, let alone average against those two defenses. So I, I do think this is a good spot for Seattle at home. And, uh, you know, getting it under seven is big for the circuit contest. I, I don't think it's a total blowout. I think the commanders have, have proven to be frisky enough in these spots, but um, should be a position for the Seahawks to kind of reposition themselves in that NFC race. Let's go to the primetime games, John. What what are we doing here, man? I mean, Bears-Panthers is one thing tonight, but Jets-Raiders is our Sunday night game. Broncos-Bills is the Monday night game. We will start in Vegas. Uh, This game is a true pick'em in the Circa contest at DraftKings. The Jets are one-point favorites on the road. Our total is 37. That is the lowest total of the week. Yeah, I I think uh,
2: what what I saw out of Zach Wilson last week in that offensive line was enough to steer me towards the Raiders here at, at home. Um, let, let me check the the number again. I know you just mentioned it, but yeah, it's a pick'em. So uh, that's that's all well and good. At other books, like it, you know, w- at one place it's it's Jets minus one. At others, it's Raiders minus one. Um, so circa sharp as always. But um, I like the Raiders here. I think the pass rush is going to be nasty in in this one. Max Crosby's just going to be in Zach Wilson's grill all afternoon new- or all evening. And I just I don't really view the the Jets. Uh, I think the Jets are sort of they're almost like fooling themselves or talking themselves into being like, you know, we're, we can we can make this work somehow without Aaron. And like it, it's got to start fading away. Right. And it, it like you, you get a game like last week where you hold the Chargers, uh, you know, in terms of yardage, like way down below, below their season average and you still lose by 21 points. Like you, you gotta start running out of faith there. And then, you know, on the other side, I think there's still the dead cat bounce on, on the Raiders side for getting rid of Josh McDaniels. I think
1: the vibes are actually kind of okay in, in Vegas right now. I would so, say they're more than okay. I mean they it feels like a, a weight smoking has been lifted. Stogies? Yeah. I don't I don't know if those I don't think those are Stogies, I'll be honest. I think <laughs> uh, that's something yeah, else about
2: out, out there, some wacky tobacky, unbelievable. That's legal. It, it is, it is out there. So um I like the Raiders here.
1: Uh, you know, frankly, I also give them the edge of quarterback. I I mean, I definitely give them the edge at quarterback. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to debate that. I I do think the Jets defense continues to play really well. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'll be the first to say the Jets have a good defense. They played extremely well last week against the Chargers. And, you know, when you, when you get Zach Wilson and the offense playing like that and you give up a defensive touchdown and you give up a special teams touchdown, like you're just, you're not going to beat a team like the Chargers, but I, I do think the Raiders are getting the, the post giants bump. I, I do worry about that a little bit. You know, we we're just talking about how terrible this giants team is. And part of the reason we feel better about the Raiders is because they beat that team. It's like, okay, I don't even know what that means anymore. I mean, I, I think the giants, you know, losing Daniel Jones mid game to a torn ACL. It's like, they're, they're in the conversation as the worst team in the league, if if, if not the worst right now. Uh, so I'm wary of, of buying back in on the Raiders just because they beat a horrible team.
2: That I mean that that's completely fair. I mean the, the Giants were a, an unserious outfit out there last week. I, I thought the Raiders were were uh, definitely a, a nice nice pick to add to the card. Uh, I forget if we we did or not, but um I, in various pick'em leagues, I, I definitely was all over the Raiders. Um, that's fair. Benson uh, smartly points out that uh, the the Raiders are literally incapable of stacking positive wins or positive moments. Definitely true. Um, but even still. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust my gut here. I mean, I, I like the Jets money line last week, and look what happened. I mean, I, I, you know, you can't punish yourself one way or the other too too much there, but yeah, for whatever reason, I like the Raiders here.
1: All right, I was I was all over the Chargers last week. By the way, I got uh got a lot of pushback in the Pickham league. I think I think I had 13 confidence points on the Chargers.
2: Look at just, this guy. I, I can't
1: do it. <laughs> I can't do it with Zach Wilson, man. I just can't. Like it, at some point, it's just. And look, I mean, it's not like. Patrick Mahomes on the other side, we're talking about Aiden O'Connell. I get that, but there's just something, there's something like uniquely special about Zach Wilson. You know, when people have asked me about him, they're like, is he the worst quarterback we've ever seen? It's like, he's in the conversation. What's what is so unique about him is that guys who have been as bad as him don't get to start for like three seasons. You're like, they're just out. They're out. Like they, they, they don't, sometimes they make it through a full season max. Sometimes it's like five games. Other, other times it's like Nathan Peterman, where it's like, we literally have nobody else. We have to start you. But what's what's crazy about Wilson is like we just we have seen so much of it, and he's just he just has not improved. Like his pocket awareness to me is getting worse.
2: It's like he he is, uh, you know, it maybe he he caught it from Sam Darnold, uh, like seeing ghosts. But but that's what he's doing out there. Like it's it's crazy. Um, And you know, not to not to really give him any any excuses, but that offensive line is is abysmal. I mean, they've been just completely decimated. Uh, by injuries and i think that that, it, that is one of the strengths of, of the raiders defense so um i i know that jets defense keeps them in but again we're we're not asking for for the raiders to cover anything we just need them to win i like them to win
1: okay all right there we go we agree to disagree on that one broncos bills is our finisher here monday night line is seven and a half at DraftKings. it locked at seven in the circuit contest Bills have lost five in a row against the number, John. I am inclined to to still back what I think is the vastly better team, a team that always seems to play better at home. Um, I'm not really buying in on, on Denver. I know the defense has been better. I think they've kind of cleaned up against some some inferior opponents. Obviously, the Chiefs are included in there. That's a big win. That counts. But I also think the Chiefs' offense is is kind of a mess right now. Denver's defense is allowing a completion percentage of 73.6 on the year. Uh, that is one of the highest ever. Uh, obviously, it's the highest this season. It's like in the top five highest in the history of the NFL. Uh, that worries me a, a little bit. I think this would be a pretty obvious get back on track spot for Josh Allen. Uh, but I, I want to hear your opinion on the on the Bills, John, because you've been kind of out on this team, relatively speaking, since the beginning of the year. Uh, so you know maybe you're not as optimistic as I am that they will eventually get this offense figured out, at least to some degree.
2: Yeah. I just, I hate the direction that this line is gone and I hate where the money's going. Like I, I, I see that, you know, earlier in this week, I think it was eight, eight and a half. Now, now it's dropped a, a decent chunk. And, uh, you know, a lot of the money is still coming in on Denver. So despite what my heart wants, which is the, the, the Broncos in, in this spot, I, I do think this is sort of last gasp territory for, for Buffalo if, you know, if the playoffs started today, they're not in the playoffs. Um, so they got to have this one. Right. And, and, you know, did, you've pulled great stats on, on the bills and Josh Allen specifically over, over the course of, of the pod this year. And, you know, making good notes that generally when Josh Allen wins, he wins big, right? Like by more than a touchdown. And I do like the, the bills to to galvanize and win here. I, I I'm with you where it's kind of fool's gold to, to take and extrapolate too, too much from what the, the Broncos have done lately, having beaten the, the Packers and, and a, a chiefs team that, I don't know what the heck the chiefs were doing. That's just kind of an albatross of a game. So um, the bills are the right play here. I just, I hate it. And uh, so it's sort of an emotional hedge for for me as well as like a, a better slash takesman where it's like, if the the bills cover good for me. And if they don't told so.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't even say that's a hedge. It's like a win-win for you. And it Mm -hmm. it sounds like Uh, bills are 15 and two straight up in their last 17 home games. Uh, You know, they're 25 and five straight up in their last 30 home games. If you want to push that a little bit further, uh, they they tend to succeed at night. They are eight and one straight up in night home games since 2019. Uh, So if you do have the bills uh, alive still in survivor, uh, that might be the way you lean this week. Uh, Also a good note from the action network here. If you're looking to play the total, which is 47, the under is hitting at a 67.8% clip since 2018 when both teams are on extended rest. That is, of course, the case here. Broncos coming off the bye. Bills played on Thursday last week. The under is 23 and 5 in those situations this season alone.
2: Oh, that's it. I mean, we're we're not totals guys most of the time, but that, that's no. something to uh to consider here.
1: Yeah, I am more of an NBA totals guy myself. Um, but no, yeah. I, well, if anything, I, I think we could use that to say, all right, if if this is going under, does that does that mean we get a closer game? Does that push you toward Denver? I I don't know, man. Sitting right at seven, I would like to say it's a stay away. But look, we we gotta find a way to get to five games this week.
2: We we do. It, it's uh it's brutal. It's it's climbing Everest, really. Yeah. Um, and we, we got our ice picks, we have our nutrition gels and, and various things. But uh, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get this five dialed in. But yeah, as, as it stands, I know we got our parlays and our best bets coming up. But yeah, the, we we got some some uh, some behind the scenes talking to to do.
1: Yeah. All right, uh, let's talk a little survivor here, John. I mean, again, this late in the season, we can't tell you who to play necessarily because we don't know who you have. And if you're playing in the circuit contest, you're probably you're probably saving Dallas uh, if you haven't burned them already for the Thanksgiving mini week. Uh, you know, Buffalo obviously is an option if you have them, but I, I know a lot of people are going to be on Cincinnati. I think that's where our friend Jeff Erickson, who's still alive in the circuit contest, is leaning. Uh, you know, Seattle, I think we made a case for. It's pretty tough to to have a strong lean outside of that. If, do we have to just go right to the sicko tier? Uh,
2: we we might, um, we, because you know, like you said, that we got two popular teams, one of which you know is going to be playing on Thanksgiving, so that that's uh, you know worthy of consideration. I I guess I haven't looked at the Thanksgiving slate enough to to see if there's like a a, a good pivot well, to ju- and be then the just other go- one, Green Bay. Okay, so then you know you you use the Cowboys as a free space this week and just survive um in advance but that makes your thanksgiving you know you you add the potential of uh, ruining it for your entire family um if your your uh grand plans uh go off the rails but i, I think beyond that yeah the sicko tier uh let's unpack that I, I think pittsburgh is in there i guess baltimore would be in there if they still if you still have them available yep. but they've had some cupcakes so i'm not sure if, if that's going to be readily available for a lot of people um yeah, I, I already talked myself into the Cardinals, so I can't say Falcons. Uh, what what else you got here in the sicko tier?
1: I don't know if I have anybody else, John. I, I can't confidently endorse just about any of these teams. I mean, if, if it is the sicko tier, then maybe we don't even have to offer an explanation. Uh, I don't know. Take the Saints. Take the Saints. Maybe. Take the Saints. Sure. that, that that's, that's my sicko, sicko tier pick. Uh, I would say the Colts. I mean, I, I feel slightly better about that. Um, I feel like i would probably hire on the Colts the most, but I think they're in a good spot this week against the Pats. Um, but that's that's certainly sicko-tier material. I mean, that's you, you're, you're not feeling good about that. <laughs> if you're it
2: a in. Germany game with yeah. a one-and-a-half point spread, and you're like, no, dude, your whole season relies on this.
1: It's good. Yeah. No, 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 no. All right, man, let's, uh, let's give out our parlays of the week. Uh, we'll hand out the teaser. We'll do our best bets, and we'll be out of here. Uh, who, who are you throwing together in the parlay?
2: All right, so the parlay plays out or pays out plus 775. I, I didn't have a secondary bigger uh, moonshot parlay th- this week, so we're, we're just keeping it uh, straight up pretty much as usual. A couple of spreads and, and one money line, underdog. Uh, I like the Browns plus 6.5. I like San Francisco minus 3, and I like the Chargers money line plus 140. Uh, that will give you plus 775.
1: All right, I like the 49ers minus three as well. I will be pairing that with the Indianapolis Colts minus two and the Pittsburgh Steelers minus three. That gets you to plus 575. Uh, Steelers is, is probably the one that I'm most concerned about there, uh, especially given the number, given that that'll be low scoring. But um, All they, you know, win, all they do is win by four. All they do. All they do is win by four. All right, teaser of the week. We got a seven-pointer for you. We are going to tease the Buffalo Bills down to even. So they just got to win that game straight up against the Broncos. We're teasing the Dallas Cowboys down to nine and a half. And we are teasing the Baltimore Ravens, John, uh, to plus 0.5. Uh, so they either have to win that game or we will take a tie. A tie uh, would get us that win for the Ravens. That is plus 130. Uh, again, Buffalo, Dallas, and Baltimore teasing those by seven. Uh, give me your best bet of the week.
2: I think the Chargers plus three. Um, so wow. that I know, I, I like the money line and the, wow. and the parlay, but I, I like seeing the big numbers. But then uh, I think, it, as far as yeah, it, it just creeps me out how much everyone loves the Lions. Uh, and I, I i give the uh, i give the quarterback advantage to the Chargers. They're at home. Give me the Chargers.
1: Okay, okay, I, I like it, John. Um, I, I'm making a last second pivot here. I'm going with the 49ers minus three. I I've I laid it all out earlier that you know obviously there are some emotions at play for me. Uh, as a card-carrying Jags fan. But I I really like the spot for the Niners. I think they will remind us very quickly how good this team was early in the season. Um, You know, like like you mentioned, as long as we don't get a Brock Purdy disaster game, which I don't think we do, I think the week off is going to help him. You know, you wonder, you know, where he was at physically, mentally, the last couple of weeks. Um, I think having a a full week to prepare, get down there early, acclimate, um, you know, it's not going to be super warm in Jacksonville this time of year anyway. Not that that would bother the Niners. I think this is a game uh, that's competitive, but, but one that the 49ers, ultimately win by probably a touchdown. So I'm locking in the San Francisco 49ers as my best bet. John, fun stuff talking through these games with you. As always, man, we, we thank our sponsor, Circa. Make sure you check out CircaLasVegas.com. That is CircaLasVegas.com. Book your stay right now. You can go there year round. It's always open. It's the best casino in Vegas. We have a great time every time we're out there hanging out at Circa. Best of luck to everybody listening this week. And we will be back for our recap and week 11 preview this time next week.